excited when he gave me this because I thought, I'm, I'm still getting there. It's one of those books in the Old Testament that's way to the back. <laughs> one that's way back in there. Uh, a wall of fire. The walls, he, we didn't have Israel. It's Israel coming forth. It's uh, Zechariah. And he's talking to them saying that uh, it's time for Israel to come forth. No longer are they going to stay in back in the wilderness type things, and because of the bond and the wars and everything that they had gone through, Lord said, "Okay, Israel, it's, it's time for you and to come forth." And it talks about purification. And she talked. She came back two five. Okay. And all of that, too, is is to measure. He he told them to measure Jerusalem to see what, you know, the width and the length and everything. And then there on five, he says, for I, says the Lord, will be a wall of fire all around her. And I will be the glory in their midst that they didn't need those walls. That's what where he was saying. He wanted them to measure so they could get an idea of how big of circumference that God was going to cover. And that they didn't need those walls, the height, the thicknesses, and the, the whole circumference, that he was going to be a wall of fire around them. And that's what the Lord said. He's going to be a wall of fire around this church. And he said it's going to be accomplished by three things, praise, worship, and prayer. And it's intercessory prayer. Some of us that are called to really get down and pray and exactly what that is. So that's why. And then he said, call Candy. So I call Candy because she is the leader. And she has such knowledge of this that I don't even have. So I was so glad when God said, call Candy. (laughs) Because she, not too bad. God said, "Uh uh-uh. No, no, she's, she is a, a wealth of knowledge and anointing in this area, and she's going to bring us forth, ladies. And I'm going to turn it over. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Paula. You want to take this Bible with you? i got a ton of them up here. <laughs> thank you all for coming. Praise the Lord. I'm, thank God for each one of you. Hallelujah. I'm excited to bring this forth, a little bit scared too, because it's kind of, it's very controversial, some of the things I'm going to talk about. And I really appreciate the fact that Lisa trusted me, Paula trusted me to bring this this teaching. Now, when I get through, they may change their minds. (laughs) Hopefully not. Okay. But I got to tell you one thing. I am submitted to the Holy Spirit for his correction and uh, to his guidance. I would not be able to make it without him. Holy Spirit, we welcome you right now, Holy Spirit. You're the teacher, the advocate, the standby, the comforter, the friend, the guide. You are the spirit of truth. And you promise in the word that you will lead us unto all truth. Holy Spirit, thank you. And right now we bind out the lying spirits. We bind out the religious spirits. And everything that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God. We bind that work out now in the name of Jesus. And we open our hearts and minds to the Holy Spirit of truth. Who will guide us to truth. Who will exhort us, edify us, correct us. Whatever needs to be done, we thank you right now and we submit to you, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. So, 
I reluctantly entered into this because I'm getting to where I don't do things unless the Lord gives me some really strong word that I'm supposed to do it. And so about three or four weeks ago, I had a dream and Paula came to me in the dream and she says, I need to tell you something. And uh, I've got a message or assignment for you. I said, okay. So I'm going to be standing and sitting. So, uh, so then I, I woke up and I thought Sunday, the next day was Sunday. And I thought I'm going to see Paula and I'm going to see what's going on. And I saw Paula, but the Holy Spirit stopped me. Because I want to know it's God. I don't want to prompt anything. You know what I'm saying? So I didn't say anything to Paula. So then the next week went by. And I saw Paula again. And I thought, I'm not going to say anything. But I still had it on my heart that she had something for me. So next week, she called, Paula calls me. She says, we're going to have a meet, ladies meeting. Are you going to participate? And I said, yeah, I plan on going. She said, well, I really feel like you're supposed to teach on prayer so I said okay (laughs) all right Lord I get the message and I will do it and so I told her that I would do it and I told the Lord I would do it so here I am so I asked the Lord I said okay Lord what is this you want me to share about prayer and so this is what we're going to do today hallelujah thank you Jesus because this is kind of a hard message but I believe You know, in the end, we win, right? Praise the Lord. We win. Praise the Lord. That's how we can have joy in the house of prayer, because we are on the winning team. But the Lord really wants us to know the times that we're in. He wants to understand the season that we're in. And he doesn't want us sleeping. Okay? And that was the message in a nutshell of what he wants to get to bring to us. Now we can talk a lot about what the condition of our nation is in. We can talk a lot about what condition our world is in. And uh, and the condition our families are in. We can talk a lot about that. Um, there's a lot of signs and evidence of the moral decay, spiritual decay. Uh, and we, we talk, we're talking about need and rain, which we do. Did you know that 60% of our nation is under drought conditions? 60%. In the Bible, what did drought represent in the Old Testament? What? The absence of the Holy Spirit, the absence of God's hand of blessing. And famine is right. Because, but it starts with what kind of famine? It starts with spiritual famine, right? Spiritual famine. When Elijah was on the earth, when Elijah, uh, God asked Elijah to pray that there would be no rain. Because the people had turned away from God. And it brought evidence in the earth that they had left God. And when, when they returned to God, if you'll read that whole scripture, when they returned to God, Elijah had to pray for that rain to come again. He used an instrument on this earth, didn't he? He always uses an instrument on this earth to bring the kingdom. The scripture in Matthew eleven twelve, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. I looked that up. Uh, I've, I've been in that scripture before. Uh, and and questioned the meanings of it and all that. Um, and so the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, it is used interchangeably, suffers violence and the violent take it by force. When we pray, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are getting in touch with that kingdom to bring it here. That's what prayer is about. We're getting an agreement with the kingdom of heaven, bringing it to earth. And eventually that kingdom is going to come to earth when Jesus comes back. It's going to finally be culminated in his return, and it's going to come. But in the meantime, we're supposed to pray that kingdom comes. And it's that word uh, violence, strong, forceful. 
strong and forceful. We have to be, we have to seize it, um, carry off, claim it for ourselves. That's what that means. The violent take it by force. We have to claim it. We have to be forceful about getting it, you know, claiming it and getting that kingdom to manifest here on this earth. And so I want to talk a little bit about the signs of the times. I want to read a scripture in uh, Matthew 25. I think that's the right reference. Sometimes I don't put my reference. I put the scriptures down. I copy them on here, but I don't always put the reference. Matthew 5, 3. This is the Mount of Olives discourse, and then Jesus is getting ready to... The, he's talking about how the Jerusalem's going to be destroyed, and, and the stones of the temple will be brought down one by one. And that happened. He was prophesying and saying that was going to happen. Then he began talking about other things, and the disciples asked him, saying, Tell us when these things are going to happen. When, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to him, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. And that word is birth pains. Sorrows, birth pains. Are we seeing those signs? I mean, are we seeing them? I believe we're seeing them. And I believe they're coming more frequently, just like birth pains do. And they're getting more violent. Okay, so they will deliver. And he talks about what's going to happen to them personally. They'll, be, they'll deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And, and because lawlessness with abound, will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures the end shall be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. So we have signs that the Lord is going to return. Now, you have a question? I think I'm in Matthew 25. Is it 24? 24.3. Is that right? That's where I started. Okay. That's right. It is 24. I'm going to get into 25 next. Uh, okay, thank you. Um, so we have signs of the coming of Jesus, the return of Jesus. Deceptions, false Christs, wars, rooms of wars, famines, pestilence, earthquakes, anti-Semitism, offenses, betrayals, hatred, false prophets, lawlessness abounding, love decreasing, which is, I believe, very critical for us to understand. And Greg's been preaching on love, and he's going to continue the next two Sundays. At least I know the next Sunday. He's going to continue uh, talking about that. And so, uh, believe it or not, the, the word love there is agape. Um, I didn't think agape could decrease or go cold. But it says um, that's the love, the love that God, kind of love that God gives us to is agape. Uh and so we have another thing that we can look at as being a sign of the times, and that's the, called the fullness of time. The fullness of times, like uh, when Jesus um, came, uh, when he was, came the first time when he was born, uh, it said he came, at, in Galatians it says he came at the fullness of time. In other words, the conditions were exactly right for his return, because things were set up where he was going to be born, the whole situation was in place. And God has what we call appointed times and appointed seasons. And that's how he operates. If you look in Genesis, uh, let's see if I've got that, Genesis 15, 16. But in the, in the fourth generation they shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. He's talking about uh, there's certain things that have to be we have to have fullness of time. And that one is sin, has to be full. But here's the other one. The prayers of the saints have to be full, too. And it, it talks in Revelation 5, 8. Now when the, he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. 
Did you know that your prayers are being held in bowls until the appointed time when they can be poured out? They are being, and I'm not talking about, Lord, protect my little kitty or heal my, you know. I'm not talking about, (laughs) I'm talking about kingdom prayers. Kingdom prayers are being held in bowls. And and God cares about those little things. I'm not saying he doesn't, because I pray about those little things all the time. And I uh, ask him about things like that. But he cares about kingdom praying and, most of all, uh, bringing the kingdom down to earth. And so those prayers are being held in, in bowls in heaven for the time that they will be poured out. And so the fullness of time. So now we're looking at another time. Right now, could it be the fullness of time? Because we're looking at the conditions of the world. We're looking at the political conditions, the conditions especially of somebody, Israel. That's what we look at is Israel. We're in the time of the Gentiles right now, the the, the time of of the Gentiles, because as a a whole, the Jews turned their back on uh, Jesus as a Messiah. But there are still Jewish believers now that believe he's the Messiah. The Jewish believers spread the gospel. The apostles were Jews. They initially spread the gospel. In the last days, it says that the 144,000 Jewish will be spreading the gospel during the tribulation. So, but God's eyes on Israel. We need to keep our eyes on Israel and pray and watch and see what's happening there. It's very important. Okay, we need to discern in the fullness of time. Right now, you know, there's a couple of scriptures that say that like when the witnesses appear in Jerusalem, that all eyes will see them. Do you know that you can go on webcams now and see the Wailing Wall continually? Over there, the, the Wall of Jerusalem, they've got a webcam, and you can watch what's going on there moment by moment. I've gotten on there and looked to see. It is now possible for us to see, the whole world to see what's going on in Jerusalem. That couldn't have happened a few years ago. With the internet, with satellite, and all the things that we have now, we can see what's going on in the world. And it can be scary. And this is one thing I want to admonish you about. I believe we need to watch the times, we need to see what's going on, but we don't need to be obsessed with what's going on Fox News. And what's going on in this place and that place. But let the Holy Spirit lead you because you can get so consumed and depressed by it that it will overtake you. And we are to be kingdom minded because Jesus is coming back and we're not to look at those things and get depressed and discouraged. Because we're to affect those things, not be affected by them. And so that's a little admonishment that the Lord has given me. Anyway, the scripture of Revelation 5, 8 and then... uh, and three, I think it's eight, three. Then another angel having a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he could offer it with the prayers of the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. The angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings and earthquake. That's the prayers of the saints, people. All right, now I want to talk about something another that's very con- that is controversial, and that is um, the Jewish feasts. Uh, I when I say it's controversial, we're pretty, we're kind of ignorant of it in in our Christ- in this Western side of the world, and we're just now coming into learning about our Jewish roots. And there's been a lot of fear with it, and there's been some people that have gotten over into legal Judaism that are Christians. And they have gone over the other ditch. But I'm telling you, we need to understand the feasts. And here's why. Kaylin, you want to put that little thing up that, uh, on the Passover, the five feasts or seven feasts of Israel? Because it's going to tell us where we're at. Of the times and the seasons that we're in. Whoops. Thank you. It's on a website, and I've got it. Actually, I've got a handout of it. But I'd like, I don't like to give handouts because people start looking at their handouts and they're not listening. <laughs> but I'm going to let you look at this, okay? Huh? Yeah, I'm, I've got some to give you, and then I'll, I can give you a website, too. You've got to be careful with websites, too, because <laughs> it says many will be deceived. 
And some websites, uh, I don't know, you've just got to have discernment of the Holy Spirit and you've got to understand. But how do, you, how do you discern it? You have to know the Word. You have to know the Word to discern it. And the Holy Spirit of truth to reveal it to. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed, Holy Spirit of truth, lead me the truth about this situation because I don't know. I can't tell by looking at it. And so we need to know the truth. But this is, this is the Passover, the seven feasts of Israel. The reason they're important is why? Huh? It's the times. It's the seasons. Um, I need to look up a scripture. I thought I had it on here real quick. It's in Genesis. It's about how he set up the seasons, uh, the moon and the, the seasons. I can't find it right now, but I will. It's, it's in the first three chapters of Genesis. He's, he appointed the, the sun and the moon as seasons for the days and the nights. But God has appointed times. 114. Thank you. All right, and God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven, divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. So he put those, and, and if we're to look at the Jewish calendar, it's totally different than our calendar, um, our Christian, so-called Christian calendar that we set up. Uh, God did not, he did not desert the seasons, and he did not neglect, mean for us to neglect the seasons because the coming of the Lord was fulfilled in the seasons, the feast that God set up. Okay, let's look at these first. I'm not going to go into detail. This is something you need to study out on your own, the feast of Israel. And, and the first one is Passover. We're all familiar with how uh, God chose Abraham to start a nation and then ended up with, uh, after Abraham uh, and later into Moses, if you'll look at all those stories, that's why it's important for us to read our word. But Moses uh, was the lawgiver, and he delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt to become a holy nation to God. And they he instituted these feasts then of Passover. Passover was when the death angel passed over them. And they put the blood on the doorposts, and the next day they were delivered out of, they sacrificed the lamb, put the blood on the doorposts. They were delivered out of Egypt, whole, free of sickness, free of infirmity, and with prosperity. Because Egypt gave a bunch of stuff to them when they left. Gold and all to make their tabernacle and everything. I mean, they had it all. They left out of there with gold and silver. And, And no infirm among them, it says. Okay, the Passover. They were to celebrate this every year. He instituted it for it to be celebrated every year. Because it was pointing to the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus. And at, when Jesus came, that was fulfilled. When he took communion with his, he observed the Passover feast with his disciples, he revealed himself as the Passover lamb. He revealed himself then. So he fulfilled that feast. The next was a feast of the unleavened bread, which comes right after the, the Passover. It says that Jesus Yeshua at his burial in the tomb uh, on Nisan. That's one of the times, uh, the words of Hebrew for the times, uh, in Nisan uh, months, in the spring of 32 A.D. And they go by the moons. They go by uh, with their dates. It's different every year. So his burial... Uh, the unleavened bread, he fulfilled that uh, feast. The feast of first fruits, he was the first one to be resurrected out of the tomb, the first fruits of, of which we will be resurrected one day. And so he, that was a feast of first fruits. The feast of Pentecost, when was Pentecost first? First, 
the first Pentecost after Passover, 50 days after Passover, what happened? Does anybody know that? Huh? 50 means, Pente means 50. Huh? No, this is before the first one. 50 days after Passover, the law was given. The law was given. Okay? Now then, but there was still a, a feast to be, the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. That was fulfilled uh, after Jesus, 50 days after Jesus' death. The law was, I mean, the, the Holy Spirit came and fulfilled the feast of Pentecost where God came to tabernacle with, through the Holy Spirit. Huh? Okay. And so by the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, it gives the time on that. That's been fulfilled. All right. Are we to where we can see the gap thing? Okay. Now, the reason we need to know about the feast is because Jesus, now you can take this and do what you want with it. I mean, I'm just telling you what the Lord has shown me. And I'm not the only one. I mean, I've done some studying, but I, I don't know nothing. <laughs> I just have been, you know, tasting of some things. But I know absolutely imperative that we understand the Jewish feasts if we want to know the times and the seasons that we're in. Okay, the feast, we're, we've, those have been fulfilled. So don't you think Jesus' second appearing is going to come through, being revealed through these feasts? Now, does that mean we have to observe everything that these feasts, the law and everything that goes with these feasts? We're not Jews. We're engrafted in the vine. They are observing these things. But even things have changed with them. They're not sacrificing animals. There may be a few of them that are. But anyway, I don't want to get off on that. But all right, here's where we are. The next feast to be fulfilled is a feast of trumpets. And... That will be, uh, when Jesus, uh, from what I understand, is when Jesus will, it will be, he will reveal himself at the second coming at the Feast of Trumpets. Okay, now, like I said, this is all submitted to you through the Holy Spirit for you to discern. But the point is, we need to understand some things. We need to get in and look at these feasts and understand where we're at. Well, we're right there. Now, the studying that I've done, because <laughs> I've always been a pre-trib rapture person. And what I mean by that is I believe we're going out before the great tribulation it talks about. Well, the Holy Spirit's taking me a different direction. <laughs> and you know what? I'm not going to preach either way. I'm not going to say I know it because I don't. And nobody does. Because we have so many theologians that are so di- different on when, when this is going to take place. And, and all of them say the time, and you know, we don't know the exact day, only the Father knows the day. But we need to know the seasons that we're in. And the season that we're in right now is we're looking for his return. The Bible said we're to look for his appearing with joy. Huh? Absolutely. Exactly. And so, are we looking for his appearing? Somebody answer that. Okay, good. Well, we're going to look for it even more. Because I think we've been in asleep. Anybody agreement with that? Are we doing something about the fact that he's coming back soon? You know. All right, my purpose in doing this is to wake myself and us up. <laughs> And if I had some spiritual smelling salts, I would get them out. <laughs> I would. I don't know if y'all younger people know what smelling salts are, but uh, and, and and even we used to when I was a nurse, we had these little capsules that if somebody passed out, we would break them, and they had ammonia in them. And if you ever taken a whiff of ammonia, it'll wake you up real fast, so it burns. Well, we need some smelling salts. But anyway, okay, getting back to these feasts. What I want you to do is I want you to do some studying on the feasts personally. Get in them and read them and understand because this is our roots. This is where we came from. We're grafted into the vine, and it's not like we're going to legalistically get into a messianic messianic Jewish uh, legalism. 
But we have been uh, pretty well separated from that for a long time. And it's time that we understand because of the signs of the time, because this is God's calendar. I sincerely believe this is God's calendar and he will reveal to us. And I want to re- I want us to read. Uh, let me find First uh, Thessalonians five, one through eleven. Most people preach two appearings of Jesus. Most theologians preach the first appearing will be when he comes to get his saints. The second appearing will be the second coming when he comes to establish his kingdom on earth. Some preach it's going to happen at the same time. I don't know for sure. But I'm telling you one thing the Lord is saying to me right now. We need to be prepared, whatever way it is. Whether it's for his coming to snatch us out of here, which as a, I would love for that to happen. But we're in the birth pangs right now, and it's not an easy time, is it? Is anybody having an easy time? I know we do compared to the third world. We have an easy time. But is anybody having an easy time being a believer? And so I, you know, I'm saying that it's going to get worse. It's going to get more intense. The birth pangs are coming harder and quicker, and we're going to have to be ready for what's ahead of us. First Thessalonians 5, 1 through 11. Okay. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, everybody say, you, brethren, me, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are sons and daughters of the light. Say, I'm a son, I'm a daughter of the light. And I'm a daughter of the day. We are not of the night or darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But, and there's many a lot of people doing that now. <laughs> but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet at the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you are also doing. Now, when he's talking about those that sleep now, he's talking about those that are dead in Christ. He's not talking about uh, people that are just sleeping. He's talking because they were wondering what's going to happen to people that have already gone. And that's what he was answering. They're dead in in Christ. And uh, and so the thing that he says here that that we need to remember is that. We are not in darkness. We have to make sure we are not in darkness. Okay. Praise the Lord. I want to pray in the Spirit for just a little bit. Y'all pray with me. All right, praise you, Lord, praise you, Lord, praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Say, Lord, open my eyes. Wake me up. Shake me up. Alert me to the season that we're in. I don't want to sleep. I want to be awake. I want to be watching for your appearing. And what is the other what is the other function of a watchman? Say it loud. To warn others. We can watch on the wall in prayer, and and we can we can watch what's going on. And most of us are we're, we're aware of some of the things that are bad. 
Are we warning people? Are we alerting people to what's coming? And, and they may not listen. They may not listen, but are we, are we doing it? And what I want to do today is I want us to wait. I want us to, we're going to, at the end of the service, we're going to have an anointing time to wake us up to be, and to be watchmen in prayer. And prayer, yes, is a big thing. It is a big thing for us to be doing. And reading the Bible and finding out where we're supposed to be right now. We can't be ignorant. We're not to be ignorant. He says, but concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write you. Because he had taught them about the times and the seasons. He had taught them. And we need to learn about the times and the seasons. And we're looking at all our families and all them. We have a lot of prayer needs. Does anybody in here not, not have any prayer needs? I mean, I mean, in your family, it's, 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 it can be overwhelming, can't it? It can be just overwhelming. But when we get in the presence of God to pray... It can, he can give us a different perspective, and we get hope. Okay, Kaylin, I'm ready for us to watch the next scripture. Uh, it's kind of on a little video, and it's only going to be a little short one. But it's just kind of cool the way they did it. The parable of the ten virgins is a parable told by Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. In it, the five virgins who are prepared for the bridegroom's arrival are rewarded and the five who are not prepared are excluded. The parable has a clear theme. Be prepared for the day of reckoning. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell, and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. We see in this story ten young virgins gathering in anticipation of a wedding, awaiting the arrival of the bridegroom. But his coming is delayed until the dark hours after midnight. As the midnight hour approaches, the lamps of all ten of the virgins begin to flicker and burn low. The five wise virgins have brought an extra jar of oil with them. When the cry of the bridegroom's friend comes at midnight, these virgins are ready. They rise up from their slumbers, recharge their lamps, and go with the bridegroom. For the other five virgins, it is a different story. They have not prepared, and their oil has run out. They try to borrow from the others, but they refuse to share, saying that there would not be enough. The virgins with empty lamps are unable to go out into the darkness to meet the bridegroom. They run off to get more oil, but by then, the bridegroom no longer wants them. What happened? All the virgins had the same access to the same things. All had lamps, wicks, and fire to light them. 
it would seem as though the importance of this illustration is not the lamps themselves, but about those who had the extra oil. Is this the face of the one who just awoke to the call, realizing she has no extra oil to light her way? The face of fear and regret. The moment of truth as the five go and light their way to the bridegroom, while the other five panics and run to find oil in the middle of the night, realizing that it is too late to enter into the wedding and hear the door shut. Can you hear the five virgins crying, Master, Master, wait for us. Lord, Lord, open to us the door. Open the door, Master. Master, Lord, it, it can't be too late. We have our oil. Today, our discussion of the ten virgins will focus on being prepared, watchful, and keeping our lamps filled. We look to this parable as a warning of our need to be ready for the return of Jesus. In Matthew 25:13, it says, Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Jesus urges us to be watchful. Though Christ's return may be delayed, He is coming back for us. You have chosen wisely today, and you will learn how to keep your lamps filled and ready for the bridegroom cometh. Okay, you know, I looked at this parable. I said, Lord, I don't know when I teach this parable. There's so many things, ways you could go and directions. I've heard so many interpretations to it. And we don't know whether we're going to get snatched out of here and go before the tribulation or we're going to have to go through the tribulation or we're in the birth pangs and that tribulation's coming later after we pass on. We don't know that. But his exhortation, this is one thing I do know, that we must do is watch and pray. And, and what do you think? Uh, and, you know, I, I did figure out something about this parable. Uh, it, you know, some people say it doesn't mean about, the, about Jesus, but it obviously means about Jesus' return. But um, if we're raptured out, let's say that God snatches us out, we're not going to enter into the marriage feast of the Lamb uh, before the tribulation. Because, why? The bride. Hmm. That's not what I'm looking for, but who's the bride? Hmm. So why do you think that we can't enter into the marriage feast until the bride is complete? So if we're snatched out, that's one thing I figured out in my mind with the Holy Spirit's help. Is if we're snatched out in, in the rapture and we're raptured out, there's still many going to be saved in the tribulation years. So the bride won't be complete. We will be with the Lord. I'm not, I'm not sure that that's the way it's going to happen. And so we need to be ready, right? And we need to be prepared and we need to be studying. And the other thing the Lord showed me, what does the lamp represent and the oil? Okay, the lamp, what is the scripture, Linda? What is the scripture about a lamp? Say it loud. The word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. Okay. The word is a lamp. What does the oil always represent? What did we receive at Pentecost the first time? The word, the law, which represents the word. The second time, the Holy Spirit. Okay, now, if we have a lamp and oil, and that's just all we have, is that enough? Huh? 
we need extra oil, but what else do we need? We need it to be lit, don't we? It needs to be lit. The oil is the fuel. The oil needs to be lit, and we need to have a full supply for the dark times that we're in. So if we, let's say the oil represents, the, the lamp represents the word, the oil represents the Holy Spirit, and, we, and it brings what? The two of those things bring revelation, light. It's going to light our path through the darkness, right? Am I right about that? Okay. Everybody agree with that? Does anybody have any controversy with what I've shared so far or any thing that they oppose? Anybody have any opposing? Okay, so here, you know, sometimes, like let's say the parable of the ten virgins. Sometimes I believe that we're given a certain amount of light for that time. What if the next day we're given a little more light? Which is the way it happens to me. That's why Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. And he doesn't just mean physical bread. Give us this day our daily bread. So what if we, one day, we get, we get to a revelation like, right now my revelation about the ten virgins is that we need to be prepared. If that's all I get for today, we need to watch. We need to not be asleep. We need to be prepared. Then that's what I've got for today. And that's what I need to do. But if I don't, and, and that, that I have to have the, the word, the Holy Spirit to quicken that word to me, to light it up so that I can see and make my way through the darkness because we're in dark times. Okay. Is this helping anybody? I want to hear some amens. I need it. I'm preaching to myself as much to you all. And I, because I have been in a kind of a desert place and kind of a, I don't know. Anybody else been there? Anybody else felt stuck? Anybody else felt asleep? Anybody, anybody else felt overwhelmed with problems so that they couldn't even think about um, these things? All right, don't you think it's time for us to come out of this? Okay, I agree totally. There's so much more I could share And it's time for ministry. But I do want to share one thing about the season that we're in. And we're coming up on the season called Teshuvah. Does anybody remember what that is? I know some of the young adults here do remember what Teshuvah is. Shannon, you want to? Teshuvah means turning. And it's it's in the Jewish season before the Feast of the Trumpets. It culminates with uh, the Feast of the Trumpets and then the Day of Atonement. Forty days starts now. We're still they're still doing these feasts. I mean, we're just ignorant of a lot of it, but it starts August the 19th. And and what I want to exhort us to do and Lisa, I'm going to talk to CJ and and uh, but you ladies, I'm talking to you. And if you're in agreement with this, it's a turning. Teshuvah means turning. The Jewish New Year starts with the Feast of Trumpets. And what they do is they take the time of Teshuvah and they take those 40 days to come before the Lord to ask to repent. That's what it means, to turn to him, turn back to him, turn away from sin, to forgive, to start anew, to examine last year and see where you went. Do you want to go around the same mountain again? Huh? (laughs) Okay. So Teshuvah, and I'm not doing this in a, in a legalistic thing, but I'm telling you, I feel this in my spirit with all my heart. If this church would get involved with the majority of us involved in Teshuvah, we would see some things break. In our personal lives, in our, uh, in our nation, in our church, and, and with the nation of Israel. And those are the things, if you have pencil, I want you to write down. And we're going to hand these out. I want to hand out these little. Kaylin uh, uh, has put on our website about Teshuvah. And uh, I'm kind of jumping the gun. Lisa, I hope it's okay. But uh, as far as making sure, I know our pet, because Caesar's already talked to me about wanting us to get involved in prayer. And, uh, but this Teshuvah, this, you know, somebody want to pass these out. And then you can also go, they're kind of small print, so you can go online and look at them if you're 
You don't have your bifocals or you... <laughs> There's more of them, too. And here, I want to pass these out, too. These are the papers about the time that we're in in the Feasts of Israel. This does not explain the Feasts of Israel. Huh? The fe- he does, this does not explain all the feasts, but it does tell us where we are in the feasts and what's been fulfilled. So I want everybody to have one of those. And do start doing some studying on your own. Go back and read the word about the feasts. And so, but I would, I would like for everyone to embrace these 40 days of Teshuvah. I'm planning on doing it. There's a lot that can happen. And, and the, some, you know, like, uh, Kaylin has a real awesome testimony about Teshuvah. You can believe for your family. You can believe, you know, come before God with things that you want to see change during that time. But it's a first self-examination, right, Kaylin? Kaylin? The first, I got Teshuvah and Kaylin. It's, it's a first a time of self-examination, which we all need to do. We don't have to wait till the August 19th, okay? I don't want us to wait till... But I would like to embrace this time because God blesses the seasons that he's ordained. And so he blesses those times. So, you know, we can, as believers, can repent any time. We can turn to God any time. And I don't think there's a person here that isn't, you know, out there moving and sinning away from God. But I'm saying that for, for for what we need to happen, we need to turn to God. And we need to come out of our sleep. And out of our slumber, and we need to prepare for what's coming. And so that's my admonition and my word for today. And what I would like to do, let me make sure just a minute that I'm through. Praying in the Holy Spirit is another thing that helps build us up our most holy faith. And... I guess I've got one time, enough time for a little testimony. Um, I wanted to share, and I asked faith permission to share this, but it has to do with prayer. It has to do for contending for the faith. But you all know faith, though. She, she had her baby not too long ago. He's cute. Huh? Tiscarina. Faith, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll never think about her that way. I was there when faith was born, by the way. And so she asked me to be there with the birth of her baby. And so it was a battle deluxe because from the very beginning, I got permission for her to let me share this. From the very beginning, uh, the doctor kept telling her this baby's getting too big. It's not going to be able to come vaginally. And uh, it's, it's just not going to happen. And the last, uh, so they had her prepared, preparing her for a C-section. When I got a hold of Faith before all this happened, I said, Faith, you're going to have to stand against fear, first of all, with this baby and this delivery. You're going to have to stand against fear. And so we talked about it. We prayed for, with her and Melinda and all. And I told Melinda, I said, I'm not letting you in the, in the room if you've got fear. <laughs> when the labor room, I said, I'm not letting you in here. <laughs> you have to protect Faith, right? You have to protect it. And so... Through the situation, I'm not going to draw this out too long, but it, it, it was such a prophetic picture to me because her name was Faith. Is Faith. And so um, I had some very strategic people praying, and she had people praying, but I had some very strategic people praying about this delivery. And, of course, I'm a medical person, so I've got this medical hat on. I was a labor and delivery nurse for seven years, and... 33 years in the nursing profession. So I've got this nurse hat, medical hat on, and then I've got my intercessory hat on, and it sometimes conflicts, okay? So I have to stay in the spirit in regard to this, and I wasn't medically having to take care of her, but I had to battle some things in the, in, with that, the knowledge of it. And thinking, okay, the doctor's saying this, saying this, saying this. Could it be that? I said, okay, we're going to stand for this baby to be delivered. We're going to stand for you to, uh, God has created you to deliver this baby normally, vaginally. And she got, she agreed with me. And then, but when it started, the labor started. Of course, they were going to go in and do the C-section. I went with her to the doctor's office. And they said, okay, this has got to happen. This baby can't get any bigger. Well, we were able to put them off another two or three days. 
But when you submit to medical care, there's a certain amount of things you got to do. You got to submit, but you got to go, okay, you got to fight for this, you know. And so we got a couple of days delayed, and I said, we've got time to pray. We've got time to pray and give this baby some maturity time and all this. It was due. It was at the time. But you know, there was an appointed time that God has. Okay, so we prayed about it. It still had to, we had, it still had to submit to some artificial interventions. And, but, but she went into labor. And, and so, uh, before the morning came, uh, she'd already dilated halfway to have this baby. And I was going, yay, praise the Lord. But I had some people praying. Number one, Shannon and Lisa. I knew they'd been through this and Melody. Because she was a, a aunt, and of course Melinda was. But when you're a family member, it's really hard to pray in the situation. Your emotions get involved. But I had strategic people praying, and so I was by her side. You know, just, I'm going to support this thing. We're going to have this baby vaginally, and the doctor kept coming in. And when she got to five, she kind of quit. So they started to have to augment her labor. And he kept speaking negative things that it wasn't going to happen and all this kind of stuff. And this way, and so we just kept, kept standing and I would get to the point where I was wavering. I was thinking, well, maybe we may have to have a section, but I didn't say it out loud. But one thing I'm going to go back to, uh, uh Nicho, when we came in to the, to the hospital, Nicho said, I believe she's going to be able to do this. And I pointed my finger at him and I said, I agree with you. And he took a place of authority. That was, that's a big thing. He took a stand with his words and he took a place of authority. And so as it came down to the time, the doctor would come in and say, well, two more hours if she hadn't changed, blah, blah, blah. And I would get texts from Lisa. I would get texts from Shannon. And one time I was ready to kind of crater under it. And I got a text from Shannon that was very good and, you know, yes, she can do this, you know, kind of things. I had some intercessors pray. And so I was in the middle of this fray, and, and the family dynamics were pretty wild, too, <laughs> which they always are around a baby being born. And so the time came for this baby, to, and I, I knew, and I saw in the spirit it happening. I saw in the spirit it happening. I saw this little head. I don't want to go into the details of it. Coming out the right way. <laughs> and so I told Faith, you know, I said, this is what I'm saying. So the family got in agreement with me. And it happened. She, and then they were saying, oh, you're going to have to push so long. Finally, the doctor came in and he said, you know what? I think you're going to be able to do this. And I want to go. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> and she delivered normally with very little problems. No, no uh, lacerations. And even he said, this baby's not as big as I thought it was going to be, you know. But that is the way you have to protect your faith. And there's a scripture in Jude, and it says you're going to have to contend for the faith. And we're in that time where we're contending. We've got to contend with each other. We've got to contend for the faith. And so I wanted to give that example because it was a joyful answer to prayer. But it took some elements to protect that thing. And that's the way we've got to do. So praise the Lord. God answered prayer. And little Charlie was born. Normally, vaginally. And uh, so, and I've been through a lot of those kind of situations where you've had to stand. And it doesn't look good. And people are naysaying. And they're saying this and they're saying that. We're going to have a church that's going to be overcoming church. And so... Let us activate ourselves. And what I want to do is I want to invite, I'm going to anoint with oil. And uh, Lisa, why don't you come up? Paula, come up. You want to play that song, the altar song? And then we're going to have praise and worship. But I want to pray this because I want everybody to receive the anointing. And this is like, I want you to receive this like an awakening. Awakening. What's that scripture, Linda? Awakened. What that thing? Awake to time. Awake to the time. Awake to our condition. Awake to righteousness. Awake to the time. 
awake to our condition, and awake to righteousness. But also, I want us to take, I want to anoint us to be awakened to prayer, to be awakened to watchmen. watchmen. And we're going to uh, be awakened to the season we're in. Okay, so this anointing is going to be for an awakening. Now, there's been people praying for a long time for awakening for the body of Christ in America. It's a sleeping giant. There's a bunch of people in this country that are believers. Why have we let things get the way they are? You know, well, it's time to change. Okay, and I want to start here. And I just believe that, you know, as we will engage in this. Are you okay with what I've said? Everything. Are you okay with doing this? Okay. Since you're, you anything to say? I have nothing to say. (laughs) I just want to make sure. Paula. Hey. We're going. All right.